You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today we have Eli Cohen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Saleshood, which is a sales enablement platform that teams use to quickly boost sales performance. And Saleshood helps teams learn, coach, and sell faster, improving time to ramp, quota attainment, and sales velocity. Eli, welcome. How's it going? Hey, great to be here, and thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I gave a little, I gave the official kind of description of what the company does, but can you tell us a little more about who you are and what the company does? Absolutely. I, uh, I live in San Francisco, and I have founded, uh, we founded Saleshood about seven years ago. I had the good fortune of working at salesforce.com during the hypergrowth years from about 2005 to 2013. And that's where I really got to realize the impact and the benefit of doing sales enablement to help companies grow. And so I took my experience that I was a senior vice president of sales productivity at Salesforce, and I was responsible for training, onboarding, coaching, tens of thousands of customer-facing employees and partners. And I remember it was 2012, and we were doing all this great coaching and training and enablement, but it was starting to really not be as effective because we couldn't scale. And I thought, wow, is there a system out there that does this? I looked, there wasn't a system, there wasn't a category, and I took a leap. I thought, this is my time to shine, this is my time to create, and that was seven years ago, and, and haven't turned back since. Got it. And so for those of, that are new to the term, uh, what does sales yeah. enablement mean exactly? Perfect, so sales enablement is all about helping companies boost the productivity of their revenue teams, which means you wanna help teams get the productivity faster, they want to close more deals. They want to close more deals faster. They want to start hitting quota faster. So just, I think most folks can appreciate the importance of getting sales teams to productivity faster. So what sales enablement does is it helps get teams to collaborate through peer-to-peer coaching, through knowledge sharing, through practicing their pitches, through giving each other feedback, through just-in-time learning. And they do it in a, it's a very fun way that enables teams to just get productive together. And that's kind of the whole thing. Sales enablement pulls people up so you get more people hitting quota, more people hitting quota faster, and you get a larger number of people successful in their sales careers. That's awesome. And is there, uh, just so people can kind of visualize this a little more, are there any case studies that you can share? You know, X company used sales, saleshood, and then boom, productivity boosted, and then, you know, revenues boosted 10,000%. I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, no, it's, they exist. And so... Uh, clearly, my Salesforce track record and that juggernaut of a trajectory and, and that success is a good proof point. With Saleshood, we have over 100 customers, about 50,000 users. Some great case studies that I can talk about. Let me give you some company names to just share. DocuSign, RingCentral, Sage, Verizon. And so you look at DocuSign, you look at RingCentral, those are hyper-growth companies. RingCentral has their stock prices increased by about 15x in the last three years. You literally, if you're to, to graph the day they started doing sales enablement, using sales and working with us, and now it's a 10 to 15x multiple. Why? Their time to ramp has decreased by about 66%. So the amount of time it takes for their new hires to be productive dropped from 12 to 18 months to six to nine months. You know, it's about a 66, depending on the segment. That results in millions of dollars of incremental revenue that they can start closing quickly. And that's a great example. DocuSign is another great company that uses Saleshood. And that company is also, they went public 
And so we like to say we work with hyper growth companies. We help them get to market faster, get to revenue faster, and they're all generating billions of dollars of shareholder value by impacting those key sales metrics. And those are just some examples. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And how do you guys make money? How do you charge per, I'm assuming it's per seat. Right. We charge price per seat. Listen, being a startup founder, we have learned a lot about how to make money and how to do product market fit. But yeah, price per seat and we've got different packages. We do have a quote unquote free version as well for folks that want to just kind of try it out. They can do some basic stuff. But really, most of our customers is price per seat depends on the number of people that are part of the system that are using it. And the price per seat will vary depending on volume and also depending on the seat type. If you've got your employees, they'll be using, the, they'll have one price point. Your partners will have a different price point. And then we also have premium content. So we have some content partners where, you know, you can use saleshood for your productivity and for your training, onboarding, coaching, learning, coaching, selling. You do that in a systematic fashion. We also have content partners that have libraries of sales training that companies can buy in addition to buying the platform. Got it. I'm just clicking around looking at your site right now. So you mentioned you had 50 customers earlier. So is that safe to say you guys are doing about 2.5 million MRR right now around that range? No, we have 100 customers. We have 50,000 users. Users. Sorry, I'm doing it based on the 50,000 you gave me earlier. Right, right, right. So 50,000 users at what price point though? I have it 50 bucks per user per month, all in one sales. Right. And so that's a list price. Right. And so we're not doing 2.5 million in MRR right now because we're offering discount based pricing and volume based pricing depending on the volume. Right. So Sage uses this globally and they've got thousands of people. They're not paying 50 bucks per head. Right. So when you add more users, the price per seat goes down. Makes sense. What kind of numbers can you share around the business today? Employees, growth rates, whatever. Sure. Hey, no, I appreciate it. We're about 60 employees. And we've been, we've had the good fortune of having product market fitting. We've had customers from day one and we've, we've been running the business responsibly. So we're a cash flow positive business. We've been that way the entire time. We're approaching the 10 million mark in ARR. Fingers crossed with everything going on in the world. But what's happened with us right now is uh, we've become a must-have sales enablement sales enable platform, and that's increased the demand. So we've seen huge increases in website traffic, in inbound requests to access the platform. We've activated over 50 companies for a free version just so they can use in these times. We want to give back to the community, but we're approaching 10 million, over about 100 customers, 50,000 users, 60 employees. NPS is super high. We're sitting at about a 60, 70 NPS, which we think is really great. If you think about, we are a system that salespeople use so they can get productive and, and they not only use it and get productive, but they also tell us they love it because it's making a big impact to help them develop their career. So that's really positive. What else? Our growth churn is absolutely at the right levels that it needs to be in the industry. I think growth rate is something, you know, I've just brought on a chief revenue officer, uh, Ron Baden. He started in February. I would have liked the growth rates to be a little bit more than they were from 2019 to 2020. You know, it was about a 40 plus percent growth rate. It raised a lot of money. And so I wanted to kind of continue to build it responsibly. But our growth rate for this year is 80 plus. That's awesome. Congrats on that. And uh, you just crazy time to for the CRO to come on, but it's good that it's worked out. I was just talking to someone before this COVID hits and they're not sure if everything's going to blow up or not, but everything just tripled. You never know what's going to happen. Usage went up about four to five X with our install base. Mm. And, and wow. just think about it. All of a sudden they're a hundred percent remote. So they were already using saleshood. So here's another great story. Domo, right? So Domo, everybody knows Domo. Domo is the analytical platform. They've been using us for years and Domo has, they were already virtual. 
when COVID happened, they had to quickly train all their salespeople on all their new sales plays. So they did the training, they did the coaching, they had them all practice their pitches. And Domo just spoke at our conference, which we did virtually, and they said they generated the most pipeline they've ever generated in the history of the company during COVID by doing virtual. So you never know. And I think it's, it's actually helped our business. And I hate saying that, but it's not because our solution scales, it's agile and it solves the problem. It was, it was built for remote teams to collaborate and coach and learn from each other. Got it. Okay. I love that. Congrats on that. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, so you've been doing, you said you started seven years ago, right? Yeah. 2013 was when we founded the company. How long do you think it took you to reach product market fit? So my co-founder, Arthur Doe and I, he's the former head of engineering from EchoSign. He founded two other companies. One of them was Fortify, acquired by HP. So he's got the experience to build enterprise-grade technologies and an amazing partner, right? When I had clarity of the problem that we we're going to solve, boosting productivity in a collaborative way to enable teams to, to really deliver great revenue outcomes, when I had that vision in my mind... I started reaching out and, you know, that was probably about a month after I left Salesforce, I had the picture and, and I built a deck and everybody started saying, Hey, you need a co-founder. Like you need a CTO. They literally said, who's your Parker Harris. So for those of you that know Salesforce, there's Mark Benioff and then there's Parker Harris. Parker Harris is the CTO and partners. And so I'm like, absolutely. I need the CTO. I need someone to build it. And so I spent about another month doing that. And why am I telling you the story? This giving you the longer version. Arthur and I met late April. So I left Salesforce in January, late April. Within two weeks, we had the Amazon servers up and running. And he was so excited about the space because he said, who else is doing it? Seems like we're solving a really big problem. I love it. I love the name. Let's do it. I'll come out of retirement and do this with you. And then we built out all the use cases and the user flows in the first two, three weeks. Then we picked one. The core one we picked was getting sales teams to collaborate around a pitch. Post a video and, and get folks to watch the video. Know they watched it get them to record their version and get them to score each other. It's a pretty simple use case, but we stood that up and we had that beta up and running by September. I knew we had product market fit then because everybody that did it and they ran through this process once or twice, they said, great, we'll sign up to be a paying customer. We converted our betas into paying customers in January. So we were, we were already collecting money pre within our first year of doing this thing. So we knew we had product market fit. Now, the question was, what were the use cases that were going to enable us to scale and build a $100 million business and create a category? Right. And so I do want to talk about the category creation part in a second. So yeah. coming back to product market fit, it seems like you got paying beta customers pretty quickly, but you, know, you never know. You might have people paying, but your churn might be absurd. So I guess at what point were you just like, you know, churn is good, product engagement is, metrics look good, we're ready to ramp this thing. How long did that take? Right. So you're defining product market fit as, as some key metrics that you want me to comment on, specifically churn. And is that right? I mean, kind of I think it's open to interpretation. I guess I think there's you have paying customers first and then the other section would be, OK, user engagement is good. Let's ramp this thing. Got it. Arthur, myself and six developers. I think once we once we hit, you know, 100 in 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 MRR in monthly recurring run rate, once we broke that million in ARR, it was about the same give or take. We felt really comfortable. At that moment in time, we had enough momentum with customers. Uh-huh. We had enough customers that stayed with us for it was already 12 to 18 months. We had signed up some big logos. Like mm-hmm. one of our beta customers was a company called Telegis, who was acquired by Verizon. They're still a customer, right? So we knew we had it. When, when people were, were staying and people were using it, we were seeing engagement doubling, you know, month after month as well within our install base. That was another key indicator. 
And at that moment in time, when we broke the million, then what we did was we took a little bit of money, right? So we were thinking about what should we do to scale? Do we do a big raise, a small raise? And at that moment in time, met a gentleman named Arjun Gupta, and uh, he's a VC, well, billionaire, and we shared vision around the future of work. And he said, I love what you're doing. You know, I like to come and be on your board. And he goes, but if I'm on your board, I want to have a bigger stake. And so, uh, boom, he joined. We raised a million dollars from him and another 800 in friends and family, 1.8. We took that money and we started investing in our go-to-market. And we started, you know, hiring more reps, hiring customer success. But at least at that moment in time, I believe that we had enough metrics in place that I could put some money in and we could hire more reps, hire customer success and start building process to start scaling. And now we're in that next phase, right? We're in the in, in between the five to 10, we're going to break 10 in the next couple quarters. And now we're in the, we're way beyond product market fit. Now we're, how do we get to hundred million fast? That's Does that awesome. answer your question? Yeah, no, that, that was great. Thanks for that. And how, I guess, how long did it take you to get to the hundred K in MRR? Right. I think it was about two years. Got it. And the reason I asked this question. Two plus, two plus, two plus. Got it. Because again, again, the, the reason I typically ask this question is, you know, people think product market fit is going to happen immediately, but it's usually a two to three year journey to get to kind of where you guys are and to really start ramping the thing. So next thing I wanted to talk about, creating a dominating a category. So you wrote a book called Enablement Mastery. Can you speak to what your mindset was around, I guess, creating and choosing to create a community around all this stuff? Right. No, that's great. One of the things I realized as we were building the business that we needed a way to amplify the message. We needed a way to amplify it beyond just traditional marketing channels. And, you know, we were bootstrapped, we were self-funded, and we didn't raise 10, 20, 30 million dollars like a lot of companies in our space did. And so we had to be creative. We had a lot of great content. People, we were winning a lot of, we were securing a lot of leads. We were, we were building a lot of market awareness just based on the content that I was publishing on LinkedIn and Twitter and blogging. And then I thought, you know what? I got to connect all this content into a book so we can amplify the message through multiple ways and multiple channels. And my thinking around my mindset around the book was I needed to organize our thoughts. I needed to organize it in a way that was agnostic of tech, yet it still pointed people directly to our tech. I needed to educate the folks who are our buyers. And as we were evolving from you know, 1 million to 5 million to $10 million business, and as sales enablement was evolving from early adopter to a broad-based market offering, which is where it's moving into now, we needed a way to get leaders who didn't know about Salesforce, who didn't know about sales enablement to get educated at scale. And so Enablement Mastery is a leadership book for CEOs, CROs, CMOs, enablement professionals, sales ops professionals who want to understand how to make enablement, sales enablement, a company-wide initiative. It was really good that I wrote it. It's the best door opener. It's the best lead gen for us. It also helped align the company, helps align our community. And by the way, the book is filled with stories of early adopters. So I've got the Ring story, Ring Central stories are in there, Sage stories are in there, Yek stories are in there. And these are amazing leaders that have helped us build the space, the category and our company who are our proponents and who are our advocates in the market. Got it. I guess, so with the book, you mentioned it opens doors. It's kind of like the new business card. It's what it's levels above that, but it's like, you can say you have a book. seems like it's helped get you customers. Has it done anything else for you guys? Right. So the book, we use the book in a number of ways. 
the book from a marketing perspective is super helpful. It helps me get speaking gigs and that ultimately once I can communicate the message and the value of sales enablement and, and how we can help companies boost productivity, right? That's great. We use it for lead gen. We also use it for getting high and wide inside of accounts. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if we, let's pretend you're an enablement or an ops person and uh, we start having a conversation, I'll say, hey, listen, you know, how is the rest of the organization? What's their mindset and their thinking on sales enablement? Oh, we're early stage. Why don't we do this? Why don't we pick the biggest influencers in your companies and why don't we send them each a book and they can come from you. And that way you can start getting people aligned around that. Uh, it also helps us at the C-level. So we'll send books with handwritten notes to folks. So that way, uh, and then my team will follow up. Did you get the book? What did you think? Listen, a lot of CEOs and a lot of founders and a lot of folks have written books. I would highly recommend for founders and entrepreneurs, it will help you organize your thinking and it'll help you organize your strategy and your market. And I've also, the other thing with the book, last point is it's being picked up by universities as well. And so John Hopkins University, Northern Illinois University, I just did a call last week in Finland with an MBA program. I've got UTD University, Texas and Dallas. And if I missed anyone, excuse me, a couple of schools in India, Stanford. And so what's amazing is they're injecting the content of the book inside their curriculum for sales management, sales leadership, because we are infusing sales enablement as a revenue driver across a variety of different mechanisms. And I'm collaborating very closely with university and the academia world, because when you create a category, you need all the help you can get. So that's been another channel for us, which has been really effective. Got it. I love that. Is there anything else you're doing to kind of drive this category forward besides the book? Are you doing events, etc.? Good question. I love it. I think we're on the forefront of community building. We have a community that we call Multipliers. It started as an in-person event where we pulled together our advocates, we pulled together our customers, we pulled together our prospects, and we would host a, initially, I remember the first one, it was like a TED style, TED Talks, right? Short TED Talks focused on sales enablement, best practices, light on demo, heavy on, on business practices. And I, I remember the first one I did in our office took off all the, all the chairs and everything. And, but it was that important to me. Benioff showed us the importance of building community with Dreamforce in that in the early days. And fast forward, seven years later, we've had seven conferences over the years. And on March 23rd, 24th of 2019 was supposed to be our sixth or seventh multipliers conference. And look what happened in the world. And so we quickly pivoted and we turned a two-day in-person event into a 30-day virtual conference where we did two broadcasts a week and we built community. I had about, a, we were expecting about 100, 150 people to show up in person. We had over 500 participate in that broadcast over 30 to 45 days. I even extended it because people loved it so much. And so now what we've done is we've taken this community, we've created it. We have folks across our hundred customers they are collaborating inside the hood in our multipliers hood, which we're using our own platform for the community aspect. We're really on the forefront of bridging the gap between in-person events, live virtual workshops. And I think we've cracked that code. And I've been asked a lot to share with other companies how we did it and how we made it happen so fast. But uh, community is so critical and it's got to be real community. It can't be for marketing purposes. There's got to be true value add content and templates and conversations that are happening that will people will want to come to. And it can't be just about the software. Big differentiator for us. 
Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's community is one of the secret weapons. A lot of people that listen to this for marketing. I mean, I, I think it's one of the greatest marketing, you know, tactics. I don't even think it's a tactic, but it's a strategy, right? That you can use to sure you might have benefits. You might get more customers. That's all great, but it's the relationships that go a long way. And you know, who else, who knows what else will come from it. So it's great that you're doing that. I guess a couple more questions from my side, working towards wrapping up now. What would you say is a book that you recommend? Not yours. Could be business, could be just random book. What would you recommend? So I'm going to just share what I'm reading right now. I'm reading this right now. So this is the, uh, the Netflix book. That will never work. For me, I was inspired when I heard about the book and heard about their, and I, listen, everybody knows the Netflix story. And so in my world, I'm trying to create a category. How do I make saleshood as widespread, as universal against all odds? And, and that was a Netflix story. And so, you know, for me, I'm enjoying hearing from other founders. I'm enjoying hearing success stories. I think as founders, as entrepreneurs, our brains can take us to places that, you know, we got to keep positive because if we're not always positive and thinking ahead and thinking forward. So I always look for uplifting books to help me and ideas and innovate, innovative ideas to help me think things a little more creatively. Then that's, that's why I chose this book. And I'm loving it. You know, Love it. I'm loving this book. It's pretty, uh, pretty good. The birth of Netflix and the amazing life of an idea. We'll drop that in the show notes. How about what's your favorite business tool that's not called saleshood? My favorite business tool that's not called saleshood, right? Nor Zoom, right? Let's take Zoom off the table as well. I think, no, that's a great question. So I, uh, as a CEO of a company and, and not using my own, listen, I'm using Salesforce because that's how I get visibility to pipeline. And so that would absolutely be up there. And I also use Jira because I am getting visibility into the releases. Those are the two. And, you know, I don't know how I'd be able to survive without Drive and Google Slides and Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets. Those are really the predominant ways for me to collaborate with my team and with my customers, with my shareholders, with my stakeholders. So uh, that's my personal stack. And then I got my financial system, which gives me real-time data on how we're doing from a PL perspective and overall revenue numbers. Love it. Awesome. More than one, more than one, but hopefully that was helpful. That was helpful. We'll drop that into the show notes as well, or those into the show notes. Who's one founder or investor that you're following right now? One guy you're tracking, like this guy, I'm just going to keep, like I've been reading a lot of his stuff, founder or an investor? There's an investor, uh, Gordon Ritter. So uh, I've always been impressed with Gordon Ritter from Emergence Capital in the early days when Arthur and I were, were forming kind of early product market. Even before we, we knew we had product market fit, I remember meeting Gordon and, and we share with him kind of the first use cases. It was maybe right after the beta, right? And we share with him the beta results. And I remember his advice. We explained to him what we were planning to do next. And he said, do one out of those 10 things. Do one of those 10 things and test that out. And I was like, huh, that's right. Then we met him again six months later and we gave him some updates. Then he kind of really mapped out, here's what your scorecard should look like in terms of how you're going to run the business. These are the metrics that are most important. And I've always been a fan of Gordon Ritter. We haven't been able to come to a place where we collaborate and work together, but you never know what happens in the future. But Gordon Ritter is one of the best in the business. And he's a, he's a thoughtful investor who, you know, he didn't have to meet me for breakfast. He didn't have to meet me for coffee. And he listened and he took the time to truly give feedback. The other one would be Jason Lemkin. I've known Jason. I feel like if you're not following Jason Lemkin on Twitter, for some reason, whenever he tweets something, it's like 
does he have like, does he know what's going on in my world right now? Like it's always dead on. It's great. And so those are two great male founders. There's another one. I'm going to, I'm going to just highlight. There's this woman, Carmel Judd, who started an organization called Rising International. I've recently got to meet her and she's all about helping women around the world who aren't as privileged and I've had really rough time at it. And so we've become really connected with that organization. And so I've really put a lot of resources and time to help women in Rising International really live a better life. And so those are three founders that I follow and listen to and, and learn from and try and help and work with as much as I can. All right, Eli, that was awesome. What is the best way for people to find you online? Great. I think the best way is, you know, my LinkedIn profile. You know, you can you can drop a note in LinkedIn, use my email, E-L-A-Y at saleshood.com, Eli at saleshood.com. Email me, just reference Eric, reference this podcast that you heard it. We'd love to connect with you. And, uh, and that's probably the easiest way, LinkedIn, or you can just send me a note, an email, questions, suggestions, thoughts, feedback, anything and everything. I'm here right. for you. And if I can help anyone, let me know how I can be helpful to you. That's awesome. Eli, thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely. Good to meet everyone. And thank you. Great questions, Eric. Appreciate it. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.